Hey, welcome to Textural Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. In this wildly weird episode, I interview Jeff Schneider. Jeff is a writer, founder of Pig Rose Publishing, and the former guitarist and songwriter of the noise rock bands Arab on Radar and Made in Mexico. We get pretty into 90s music in this episode and talk about the major genres of the time and then get sidetracked into discussing different generations, weird stories about his old bands, and how he went from being a badass musician to a badass writer. Get ready to enjoy a very rad and weird episode. Let's get started with the show. So, uh, so I don't know. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go on. I was just going to say, how you doing? I was going to say the same, th- same thing to you. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I mean, a little tired. I woke up way too early today. How about you? Yeah, same. Same. I am literally going to get too up late. right now and grab coffee. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I stayed up late and got up early, so mm-hmm. let me... Uh... So are you at your friend's house? <laughs> How fast was I? Oh, that was super fast. Hell I didn't yeah. say much. Are you at your friend's house today? Yeah, I'm over there. They have um, Uh, Starbucks Frappuccino chilled coffee drinks. I'm just like, mm, "Mm, I'm not usually a fan, but whatever gets the job done. Yeah, that sounds good. Caffeine and milkshakes. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that tastes sugary as hell. Wow. Mm. Like, that's a double hit of caffeine and sugar. I'm going to crash later. Yeah, I hear you. I'm on like my third cup of coffee today, so. I was going to say, are uh, you a coffee person? What's your favorite? Oh, man, I'm like not. Uh, I drink like the Keurig cup of uh, Vermont something, mountain something. Yeah. Just regular coffee. As long as it's not Folgers, I will not make fun of you. <laughs> We're all about Dunkin' up here in Rhode Island, so. Really? You know. Extra light, no sugar. What I, I usually get. I was watching a documentary about the East Coast and their coffee, and yeah, Dunkin' is a big deal over there, isn't it? Oh, you could see the next one from wherever you're standing. It's every other block, uh, at least in Providence. <laughs> so they're everywhere. That just sounds fun. It's kind of like more like McDonald's in the Midwest, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like. Literally, you could be in the middle of nowhere and be like, hey, it's all right. You can go get a McDonald's, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. the other Newman's day, own. I was getting my vaccine, and um, <clears throat> I was waiting for my boyfriend to come pick me up, and I was talking on the phone with my mom, and she's like, why don't you just go to a McDonald's really quickly? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm in the middle of nowhere. And she's like, just <laughs> step outside and see if you see one. And sure enough, it was right across the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I yeah. shouldn't even know where the fuck I was. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> she might be tracking you on her phone. I don't know. Nah, she's a baby. <laughs> I don't think she knows how to do such things. <laughs> yeah. Although well, she does Snapchat. Okay. She, she like uh. snaps my boyfriend. So if I don't know where he is, she does. She's like, oh, he'll be home in oh, like boy. a couple minutes. And I was like, how the fuck? <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. One of those weird families. Oh, that's okay. So I'm like going on your Twitter right now. I can't help it. I got a Twitter stalk people right before oh, I do an episode. I'm, ter- I'm terrible on Twitter. Terrible. Nobody likes anything. I have very few followers and um, my tweets are insane. I it like just doesn't tweets. work. You have good followers. I'm an Instagram person, I think. It's just something about my makeup. I like visual stuff, so it's easier for me to get whatever I want out there that way. But Twitter is just like, I, it doesn't make sense. And uh, I get people really mad at me. And <laughs> like Tao Lin blocked me for. Oh, dude. Basically, I think he's uh, easy, uh, quick with the trigger there <laughs> on blocking people. But uh, yeah, I asked him to read my book and then. I think I tweeted something bringing up stuff that I shouldn't have from the past. and um, Was it yeah, the I sexual harassment stuff? Yes. Mm. Not, like, really bad. It was just kind of saying something like, uh, it's amazing how he's kind of um, been born again and survived all that. And uh, bam, done. <laughs> Blocked. <laughs> so I mean, what can you do? There was like a Wikipedia war going on, like right when his new book came out, of people like editing and taking it up and down of like the sexual harassment thing on uh-huh. his bio. I found that hilarious. Love the internet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I kind of put that all on Twitter for some reason. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like that's where the flare ups happen. Uh, yeah. At least for me. <laughs> so I kind of tweet, you know, it's like, uh, kind of screaming into the void a little bit there. So I haven't really invested much time in making that work for myself, but I probably should. I'm figuring that out. Because, like, I'm a publisher and everything, I do my best to avoid trouble. I, I'd say, like, mm. the most controversial shit I say, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I don't say that many controversial things. <laughs> That's wise. <laughs> Very wise. I just keep it to myself or like sometimes I'll let it slip in a podcast and fuck, I'll just edit it out later and be like, ah, oh, that was yeah. advised. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's the way to go for sure. <laughs> so the number one thing I wanted to ask you, though, was about your Woodstock 99 tweet. <laughs> oh, help me out. What did I have to say? Uh, uh, if they had that today, yeah. what, it would be a shit show. Um, yeah. Yeah, I stand by that. I, I think, imagine that. Woodstock. Did, I'm assuming you watched the documentary that everyone's going I crazy did. about. I did. I think it's revisionist history, but I did watch it. But I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly. I was going to say, but, what uh, kind of documentary isn't somewhat revisionist history? It's always the lens true. through somebody, and it's always overly biased in one direction. True, true. I uh, I don't know. I think, what was the part? I think when they burned everything down, that was pretty freaky. I wouldn't have wanted to be there. I feel like, I, I will say, as a white guy, you're probably one of the more safe people if you were there. <laughs> yeah, I would have just blended right into the sea of whiteness, yeah. Now I just need to know, though, if so. you were there, what bands would you have seen? Oh my gosh! Like, Please say not Dave what, Matthews Band. Just in I the wouldn't way have he gone said out. Titties. I just. Mm. Uh, I didn't. I, I mean, 
I was absolutely playing music at that time, and I, I in real life, I hated all of that. I, that was like normy awfulness, uh, which happened at like a whole different sphere of um, the the musical society or whatever. <laughs> so I, I didn't touch any of that stuff. Not uh, even no interest Metallica, in any of that. Limp Biscuit. No. At that time, I was really bitter and hated any kind of like, quote unquote, mainstream music. I was really against it. You gotta um, love it because the people who love those bands think that they're against mainstream shit too. Yeah, that's weird. I always, I hope this isn't offensive to you at all, but um, people who like Tom Waits, <laughs> which there's a few tunes in there, but um. I always thought that was kind of like the quintessential, like, people who think they're weird, smoke and cloves and, you know, like all that. And there's like this whole underground beneath that that they don't appreciate or know about, but they're kind of like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm this super weird, you know, I'm tapping into the crazy underground I'm like, the person well, it goes deeper than that. Way who deeper. appreciates Tom Waits, but also appreciates the music that Tom Waits appreciated. And you just got to go down like the levels below and below yeah. and below. And I think people yep. who just stick to the surface are kind of lame as fuck. But seriously, yep. as you said that, like an image of a person just popped in my head. I think we all know <laughs> someone like that. Yeah. Drinking the craft beers. and Nothing against that. but uh, Legit. I'm just that, imagining this uh... one friend. <laughs> who seriously <laughs> carried a guitar around with them, and that is all they played, like, in a Denny's parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See, yep, that's where you usually end up. It's always weird. And they're always really... He was really into, like, Kerouac and everything, too, and I was like, you're a cliche. Yeah, just go grab a Moons over my hammy or whatever. Is that Denny's? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I avoid eating there. It's such a... God, I'm not trying to say like white person thing to do, but... <laughs> such a cliche. Yeah. And I don't like chain restaurants too much as yeah. I'm drinking a Starbucks Frappuccino. <laughs> yeah, I never feel right after Denny's. It's like that special Denny's feeling. It's like, I don't know if I'm full or just like so jacked up on carbs that... um. Oh, yeah, it's the carbs. You know, weird feeling you notice that almost everything <laughs> tastes like the pancakes yeah like strange yeah I, maybe they just spray something on these shapes of stuff and that's what you get see the only reason <laughs> i've gone to denny's is where i grew up that was the only 24-hour place so yep yeah it's like a cool people out. right yeah, that's the Midwest that. for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when yep. I was finally able to move out to go to Chicago, I was just like, life is better now. Mm. So, yeah, what Chicago's were your a great days? place. Like, where'd you strike out to? Were you always in Providence? Um, like, what period of time or something? Or like. Everyone goes uh, to that, like, rebellious age of, like, okay, I'm leaving and jumping out of the nest uh, or whatever. Especially, I get that vibe so, from your music, too. Yeah, so I left home when I was 17, 
mm-hmm. kind of abruptly and I haven't lived outside of Rhode Island much in my life, but when I was 17, like the day I graduated, I packed up my shit and moved to Seattle, Washington, uh, thinking I'd catch some kind of break getting in a band out there, some delusional idea like that. And the whole thing was over out there by the time I got there. Uh, complete, if if it ever existed in the first place, but it was definitely nothing going on. Um, what? And I lasted maybe, uh, that would be like 94, 1994. Yeah. A long time ago. It it was definitely over then. Yeah. Yeah. I remember kind of like walking around aimlessly and, you know, talking to like, um, crust punks on the street and, and asking them like about Nirvana and stuff, and they just laughed at me like that. You know, we never liked it, and you should listen to better music. And somebody gave me like a crass CD or something, and I was, I didn't want that at the time, but uh, yeah, grunge or whatever that was was definitely not happening then. It was more like, like Modest Mouse or something was going on. And oh yeah, definitely. I didn't fit into to that whole scene too much, but yeah, I rebelled right out of the gate and have lived a kind of strange life of uh, creative output that, you know, I guess a lot of people would consider rebellious and not the norm. I would uh, say the music anybody for sure. in our community is definitely not the norm. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't yeah, think I've met a fully characters. stable person who's in this Twitter sphere. Yeah, there's some real personalities. It's great. I'm yeah. so. It's weird for me because I, I, I spent like two decades of pretty much hundred percent commitment to. You know whatever you want to call it, indie music and, uh, you know underground music, and then I'm not. I remember like Vice magazine and a lot of the writers that were you know going on then and i kind of remember alt lit if that's uh the right term <laughs> uh that those writers but i wasn't um doing much writing then so i'm, I'm kind of a noob to a lot of uh the indie lit scene um and i it's strange how i try to apply the principles of like kind of engaging the music scene to the to uh indie lit folks and it's it's not much of a translation there it's a different thing uh it's definitely different um but i am super grateful to have discovered a lot of this stuff because it's kind of um i'm never say never but i i kind of feel like um the mission with music is accomplished for me i've done what i want to do with that and so a lot of this is um, really coming from a, a naive, uh, innocent perspective of like, tell me more, more, more. And I love reading. And I do like the personality side of it, too. There's some real characters out there that um, I'm like uh, really having a good time getting to know. And yeah, they're as weird as any musicians, that's for sure. Maybe weirder. It's gonna like make you pick your favorite person in the lit world. But then I was like, mm, let's not hurt feelings here. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, write oh. your favorite writers. 
Well, I mean, on the on the kind of um, no, indie lit world. Indie, yeah. Yeah, like on the level of people I talk to on Twitter and stuff like that. I, you know, part of the reason I I heard this podcast was uh, Brian Allen Ellis, and I think he's a really nice chap. Oh, he's uh, awesome. We've had some <laughs> funny interactions, and uh, yeah, he seems very uh, contrary to uh, uh, some people's opinion. I think he's extremely open and giving and willing to dialogue, and he's mm-hmm. helped me see some realities that I didn't know about things. He's willing to talk about, uh, you know, just publishing stuff. It's it's such a I'm sure, as you know, it's uh, it, that opens up a whole thing with people's personalities, authors' personalities, just how books are created, mm-hmm. money, <laughs> time, uh, you know, all this stuff comes into play where it's like, wow, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, but, I don't think most yeah. of us did. <laughs> yeah, it kind of just happens and. It really yeah. does. People ask me how I became a writer, and I'm just like, uh, I can't tell you. I don't know. Yep. I mean, it is interesting, I, though, that you made the transition from being a band, like music, into writing, obviously making it perfect for this podcast. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, what was the genre that you would consider your band? Um, That was noise rock, was okay. what they would call it. Some people called it um, Now Wave, which was a a um, current version of what was called No Wave music from 78, which was like Lydia Lunch and, um, you know, the Contortions and that whole No New York compilation, all those bands, Mars, DNA, mm-hmm. all those weirdos. Um, you know, from that New York scene. So when it, when all these weird noise rock bands, a, a lot of the scene um, was centralized around Chicago, believe it or not. That was kind of the Mecca. Really? Yeah. The Chicago like, and missed it. Yeah. I mean, this is going back in time. So, but there was uh, iconic venues, uh, the Fireside Bowl, was one which uh, I don't know my geography too well. Where was that? That was uh, I forget. But um, even Wicker Park was kind of the yeah. central location there. Which oh, Fireside even Bowl. When, it's I just know the name of the street. It's on Fullerton Avenue. <laughs> yeah, Fullerton. That sounds right. Yeah. And that place was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> There's I've a been bowling there before. Alley. Yeah, <laughs> and you survived. <laughs> That's yeah. good. It's, it's pretty, uh, yeah, that was the vibe of the whole scene, is whatever that is. So it was kind of dirty and weird. And, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember it. I think it was like near Logan Square, but I can't be positive. Yeah, that, that sounds right to me. Yeah. Go on. Sorry for interrupting and, you. No, it's okay. Uh, what the hell was I saying? Um, yeah, so s- Chicago was kind of the mecca, um, and everybody looked forward to playing out there, and a lot of great bands came out of there. I'm not totally shocked Some of the by ones... that. We have a lot of like 
kind of not mid-sized venues, kind of like smaller venues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I imagine that that's like yeah, a it's... pretty cool place for like bands to get started. Yeah, it was great. Uh, there was just a, he- uh, um, as you know, huge city. So, you know, they'd have, um, they'd have like a afternoon hardcore show. Then there'd be kind of like the nine o'clock, you know, noise rock show. So sometimes we'd play two shows a day mm-hmm. and make money and sell t-shirts and records. And that's how we kind of, it was always like, oh, we got to make it out there so we can eat again and, you know, <laughs> maybe get a hotel. <laughs> so that was like, it was wonderful. Eating uh, is definitely above hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was rough. Do you still I like, was, listen to music like that anymore? Or? Uh, to be honest, not really. Um, I think what happened is I fried my nervous system to a degree. So now I kind of listen to more mellow music. I think something happened to me. Well, Simon and Garfunkel and uh, some, you know, some of the, some of the stuff I put on the playlist there, you know, Richard Thompson, like chill stuff. Um, Some of that Peruvian psychedelic music i i I think i prefer the vibe of just relaxation and chilling out to um you know violent insane uh aggression these days (laughs) i've definitely noticed a trend where a lot of the people that i always vibed were very more like not hardcore but very punk as fuck like do-it-yourself style are actually into like more music like what you put on the playlist I was like, hmm, interesting yeah. trend. Yeah, they might have blown out their uh, central nervous system like I did, so who knows? Um, I haven't yet, but, but who knows when that age happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you start listening to the Grateful Dead, then you know it happened. Uh, that would be my measure of uh, Ooh, when I'll you know it happens to you. Yeah, try, try not to. <laughs> That seems like the red alert moment. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. That's what happened to me. But I've listened to so much and seen so much. I'm kind of biased where it's like, you know, it got to the point where not much turned me on or shocked me. And again, I feel like it's a little bookended too, where. I started with uh, ideas about what I think good music should sound like, and then I kind of made it the way I wanted it to be with the stuff we wrote. And I kind of feel like, well, that's done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can give it a rest. So then you hopped onto the literary scene. Yeah. Then I stay up all night uh, writing and editing and driving myself crazy with that instead <laughs> are you a silent writer st- or do you have to like have music to be in the zone or um i think i'm silent yeah yeah i kind of get in this like manic state and pour out its bursts of stuff and then 
it's almost like a dream or some brilliant idea you get at 3 a.m. and then you wake up the next morning and look at it and you're like, that doesn't even make any sense. Um, <laughs> and then I start editing. <laughs> so, it. so it's more like just um, go, 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 go. And sometimes I'll go, you know, like a week just kind of sitting in bed and just trying to get whatever the idea is out. And I, I've been smart enough, you know, with a little bit of experience to get editors and stuff to help me. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what you think, but I, I think uh, I think books are kind of collaborative effort in that way. You Definitely. need some person to be like, do this, don't do that, take this out, put this in. Or usually it's just take it out, <laughs> actually. <laughs> So I will say as a writer and publisher, I would say it's not even like just a two person process. It's like you have a fucking family basically working on it. You have beta readers, you have editors, you have everyone on board. Yeah, for sure. I love beta readers because they both hype you up and also say this part was terrible. Trash it. Right. I agree. Do you do a lot of beta readers? I con people into it. It's so weird. <laughs> I always feel almost like I should be paying or doing something. I feel bad asking sometimes. So I, a lot of times it's like trading. I'll read something for them and they'll look at my stuff or something like that. But I don't know. I, maybe I got to get over that. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely do it that way too. It's one of those like, not like, in a douchey quid pro quo thing, but it's like, hey, we'll both do each other a solid. Right. Yeah. Right. That's fair. Although I have to say, I'm pretty incapable of saying bad things about people's writing. I really try mm. to like give like good criticism, but yeah, it's hard for me to go into the negative area of like what's not working. Right. Do you have yeah, issues it's... with that or no? Uh, what comes to mind for me is um I, I am for better or worse still in this real diy mode so i don't say solicitations are closed i probably should so people send me tons of manuscripts and i have to read them i do read them mm. and i out of guilt up to this point i still it's not unmanageable i do reply to each person and to be completely blunt, I've got so much money out there in other books right now, like way too much money, uh, that I have to say no kind of on that alone. Even if they sent me something absolutely amazing, uh, I'd have to say no right now just because I'm going to be broke. Um, <laughs> but I try to read these manuscripts and suggest to people where it may find a better home than what I could offer or try to explain to them why uh, I couldn't do it. And and a lot of times it's just like, you're not willing to go out and hustle and how the hell am I going to sell this thing? And I mm-hmm. can't go completely broke because um, it's on that level. <laughs> so I don't know. I probably have thrown all etiquette and, and respectability out the window, but I try to be honest with people and I try to reply at least something like can't do it or and here's why but i think if it was bigger i would probably just get 
10,000 manuscripts and not be able to do that. So I always wondered about how other writers took it, but I, I, I rarely ask feedback just because I'm just like, you know what, I'm used to it. But as a publisher, I also get a fuck ton of manuscripts and everything. <coughs> I tend to send out form uh, replies because yeah. it's just too hard to go yeah. deep into every single manuscript and be like, this is where it didn't work or this mm. isn't our level or you need an agent who can get you into a big press or something like that. Right. Right. I, I sure I'm not even giving the best advice. It's just kind of like, Hey, this is why I can't do it. Mm -hmm. We had a absolute blessing um, over the, the summer of uh, having an intern and I've been kind of passing a lot of these manuscripts to her and she's great. She's like really smart and uh, on top of things and, and very young. So I'm kind of like, uh, will you just read this? And uh, she'll kind of, you know, give me a summary and just say, I don't know. See, I don't I even know why that. I'm doing that. Um, when yeah. people actually send us the manuscripts, we actually say that they have to give us a pitch with it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a good that idea. helps. I, I recommend that because it'll immediately give you like a bit of a taste test of like how far do I want to get into this. Mm -hmm. Before right. then, I would say like this is the douchiest thing I'll admit, but <laughs> titles, <laughs> titles really will like determine how close and deep into a manuscript I'm going to read. Uh huh. Same with submissions for Malden House. If someone has something really bland. I'll just be like, of course I'm going to read it, but you're not on the top of the list of what I'm going to hit with reading. Mm -hmm. Like, you want something yeah, that's th going to, like, catch your eyes. I mean, I like um, Therapists Gone Wild. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was... Um, I, I had a friend, uh, Lisa Carver, who is... Uh, I put one of her books out. We're friends. She's um, iconic pronounce book the Pahrump? Uh, Pahrump report okay yeah Pahrump Nevada which is uh Death Valley I think or oh some, somewhere out there in the desert um so she lived there for a couple years and it's kind of about that um so she you know she used to write for Vice uh all kinds of magazines huge stuff back in the day Mm -hmm. And she's got tons of books out, and I like them all. And she's uh, wonderful. But she, the original title was Talking to Toothpaste. Interesting. And I like, I, liked, I was like, wow, it's weird. Like, that sounds like, you know, like, like a Tom Waits album. <laughs> I don't know. Actually not. But, to uh, be fair, you that's know, a title that draws you in. <laughs> I thought so. Which she was like, this doesn't have a pop to it. It's like, you know, what what are you talking about? And it just, you need something that's more like bam. And mm -hmm. I said, well, t what? Tell me. She said, well, how about like, you know, you need something like therapist gone wild or something like that. Like this is about this guy who just like goes off the rails, and you need something more like that. I just humbled to myself. I said, fine, I'll do that. <laughs> you're you're seeing something I'm not, and there it is and I, I like it I mean I agree that some people were that I ran it by like talking to toothpaste like what, what is what's he talking to his toothbrush or that sounds very isolating and strange so like, you know <laughs> see if I was the 
editor, I would be like, keep it. I don't know. I, I like weird <laughs> titles. <laughs> but yeah. see, we have a lot of books with weird titles that don't make sense either. So. Yep. Which, I again, guess it's going to be memorable. Yeah, but I think Therapist Gone Wild. I almost want like a t-shirt. You should start selling merch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might do that someday, I guess. I, I just I would you buy know. it right now. <laughs> Along with the I'll, book, obviously. I, I I hope it's not too hard of a connection to Girls Gone Wild, which was that, you know, ridiculous uh video from the nineties of you know, that's in the uh, Woodstock 99. I was going to say, it goes hand in uh, hand with that. Yeah, it's very Woodstock 99, which this is like that, so. It's a very interesting thing. I would say most millennials, I'm speaking for an entire generation myself, I don't think a lot of us make that connection so much. Yeah, because that's like, a good thing. We weren't, like, buying VHSs of, like, girls taking their tops off and everything. It was our weird older siblings who were doing that. Yeah. Or creepy yeah. aunts and uncles. I don't know where everyone else's age ranges go. I have older, older siblings. Closer, close to your age, probably. Mm-hmm. How old are you? 46. Oh, shit. You're the same yeah. age as one of my sisters. Cool. Oh, wow. See? Yeah. I'm used to the drill. Uh, yep. That I never bought it, but it was like that was on commercials on MTV, like every other break. You had MTV back <laughs> so it was when it was like MTV. I did, yeah, I did. Which I don't know, you know, I was so in the underground that a lot of that got missed. I was just like, you know, screw this shit. I immediately was yeah, going to say, go. like, given your music tastes, where did you land with MTV? Did you dig it at all? or I dug it when I was real young, you know, like like a little kid. Because mm-hmm. there was shows on there that were great. Um, like Beavis and Butthead and, you know, things like that. Oh, I loved all that. But, uh, yeah, that was like me and my brother growing up pretty much. I always um, want to like do a tweet to see <laughs> if anybody remembers what Beavis and Butthead is. <laughs> yeah, Mike Judge. I don't know what else he's done lately, but he's a cool. In the grand cool history character. of like adult kind of cartoons, I don't. I think that one kind of got lost. <laughs> yeah, that's, maybe just leave it there. I guess, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the music, I don't know, it was always frustrating, just like, you know, they do their kind of like listicle of, um, you know, top 10, and I hated all that. It was, it was just nothing I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, Even in like your formative years, nothing mainstream for you? Uh, you know, like, I liked... I guess like prints and things like that that I would see like wow that's cool when so I was you real have caught young him too much on MTV though yeah true true I remember this David Bowie interview where he actually called them out saying that they actually didn't uh, highlight black artists enough so I yeah. definitely think that's true yeah for sure they definitely had their agenda. And I think when they did, it was such, like, corporatized, you know, fad 
driven stuff for, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever that is. Um, well, with everything, it's got a the, bottom line, you know. Mm -hmm. True. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I uh, the underground was flourishing then, and I think it was one of the most free times. It's hard, I think, for a lot of people to uh, recognize how much uh, the restraints of the '80s came down. And like the 90s and the aughts, where it was like that DIY thing, I think, gets lost on a lot of folks because it's kind of the windows closed again, where it's very, um, you know, not a lot of people just like, hey, I'm going to go do this because I just want to do this and I'm going to make my own stuff. I'm going to screen mm -hmm. print my own t shirts. Like, it's not a lot of that, but it's in my opinion. Um, but that was great when that happened because the eighties in, in my opinion was uh hell. It was awful. <laughs> so I was so, I was so bullied by that whole hair metal thing. And, you know, being in like sixth grade, just everybody looks like, you know, Axl Rose or something and, and, you know, white denim and, and all this, uh, I, I just was so out of place. Um, Will I be out of place if I say Axl Rose is a douchebag? <laughs> no, I 100% agree with you. Uh, okay. Always has been, always will be. <laughs> Although, if you look at him in 2021, there was this really tone-deaf, uh, meaning like his voice version of some song he just did, and it was so bad. He did uh, not age well. Not like just looks, no. but I'm saying like vocally as well. Yeah, I almost feel like he could make something of that now. Mm -hmm. Like it could be so out there that it could be something interesting going on there. Uh, but that yeah. He crash so hard, it'll actually be interesting. <laughs> yeah, he could be like Sinatra or something in his later years, just, you know, Love it. over the top. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I was happy to see that go. And, you know, just like my heroes were less like these people up on some unreachable um, pedestal and became more like friends and people around me. And people really rose to the occasion. Mm -hmm. And a lot of peers, you know, I, I was like, wow, like my friend is actually playing the best music I've ever heard. You know, mm -hmm. like somebody I could hang out at their place, whatever. It wasn't like out there somewhere. It was like every little town kind of had amazing stuff going on. So, I was gonna say, you I know, that was more where my head was at. That scene, but I think I was like a little kid, like in yeah. the early '90s. I feel like there was a lot of cool like indie shows that like people would be like touring colleges and playing like basements and people's living rooms and shit. Yep. What kind there of were, things did yeah. you do? Uh, that's pretty much what I did. I lived, I mean, we were on the road all the time in the U.S. and Europe and all over the place. And oh, I kind of lived you in a van. Europe too? Yeah, a couple times, which was wild. That it was before wild. the before the Euro and the EU and all that stuff. So it was like... Um, yeah, going all over, meeting all kinds of weirdos all over the place. 
you know. <laughs> I feel like there's so much more acceptance to like different kind of music and styles and everything in Europe than we have here. Did you have like yeah, a better audience I, then or? It was um, a long time ago, but I'll say this in, uh, maybe this is a downer, but in Europe to me, there wasn't kind of this like fan boy thing where in the States it's like you had your fans like, Oh my gosh, you know, mm -hmm. like, like, the OCs are coming to town and like everybody had the t-shirts and they showed up and wanted to see them. And in Europe, it was a little bit, maybe it's different now. I'm sure it is. But back then it was kind of like, they're just partying <laughs> and they're joyful folk who go out almost every night. And you're kind of the entertainment and the difference between like something really great and something that's mediocre wasn't, as big of a gap it was kind of just like yeah we're going out you know we could go to see like you know whoever and there isn't like that um I would feel rock like, star thing or whatever i don't know i i obviously am not a musician but i feel like it would be so much better like less pressure then yeah it felt like it for sure like you could just chill out and Cause yeah, like do mushrooms or something. <laughs> I'm worry about like, it. You go to like a place where people are like, "Fuck yeah, Arab on radar," and they're they're going uh, crazy, like holding you on a pedestal, and it's like, "Oh shit, I have to live up to it." Yeah, it was it was um, <clears throat> in the states. You know, we kind of had followings. You know, some of our shows were like three thousand people, which to me was big at the time. It uh, is still pretty damn big. <laughs> yeah, it was fun stuff. Uh, Europe, it was kind of like, hey, whoever's down at the pub and <laughs> the whole spectrum of uh, ages and it's kind of just like, like whoever was drinking there was going to hear it. And, uh, that might have just been the level we were at maybe when you were bigger, like, you know, I'm sure like the Pixies or like bigger bands had, uh, you know, like sold out crowds at arenas and stuff, I would imagine. Oh, definitely. But, uh, yeah. You know, we were more like, hey, what is this? It could be somebody just playing a kazoo in the corner, but we'll listen to it and have fun. That sounds but, like uh, that would be the best party ever. I don't, <laughs> I don't if I've ever seen anyone break out a kazoo at a concert. <laughs> yeah, that could be badass. I don't think I've seen it, no. Play along. <laughs> I'd be into it. <laughs> For sure. God, like trying yeah. to find like the most hardcore band I could think of and then pull that out. Be like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm trying but to think yeah. of the last concert I've been to. Sleater Kinney. What's the last <sighs> one you've been to? Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm coming out of a cave because this last year and a half, I haven't seen much of anything. Uh, I. I really can't remember a big concert. Um, I can't remember. Like, it probably <laughs> goes back a ways. Like, uh, Pandemic saw... hasn't fucked with your music situation. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to go to too many shows, I could tell you that, yeah. for the pandemic and for just because I – it would take a lot to get me to go out uh, to see music, I think. Uh, Are you officially at that age where you take prodding? Oh, definitely. Well beyond that. It would have to be like somebody doing something, <laughs> you know, way out there that I had to see. 
Uh, I go to a lot of live comedy, though. Still like comedy. Interesting. The casino Mohegan Sun is in Connecticut, so that's probably 45 minutes from my house. So there's a little comedy club in there. My wife and I go check out comedians, which uh, is usually a blast because not too many people are into it anymore. And Hmm. you get to see some of the the better comedians at a real small stage. So that's always fun. That immediately makes me think of something that my niece told me seriously, like just yesterday, because I was getting her to watch the Bo Burnham inside special on Netflix. And she was like, I don't think you guys understand. We don't follow comedians. I was like, Whoa, really? Because I love comedians. I love comedy. It's a Chicago thing. Like we are a city built up on like improv and sketch comedy. Like, we're second city, and basically anyone from SNL got their start here. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. I Are like you an it. SNL person or not Any much era? anymore? Uh yeah. Like I love Norm Macdonald. <laughs> Maybe it's bad, but uh, I I really love Norm Macdonald. So that whole era, whatever that was, the nineties. Until they fired him, um, he I was. I thought he was great. SNL was um, all the jokes he kept talking about OJ during the trial. Oh yeah, that was that was brutal. I think he still like makes a fun of OJ. Compilation video of it somewhere of like every joke he made. Yeah, he is a really, uh, I think, um, a gem. I mean, he <laughs> Norm Macdonald. Uh, he what a weirdo. I like he was very good at being like, the room is torn, but also continuing <laughs> into the joke. <laughs> I know. Yes. I know a lot of people can't stand him like passionately. That guy's really? not funny. I'm trying yeah. to imagine. You know, I haven't seen him do anything recently, but I, I know him from his SNL days and also from like older movies like Dirty Work and stuff. Right. Yeah, that's so good. But yeah, I guess that era, but I probably haven't watched SNL in, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. That's that's a good I, call. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of, towards the end of watching it, I was just watching to see what band was going to be on. So it's kind of like, uh, let's see what band will be on. But I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't think it was too funny. <laughs> I would say because of YouTube. I believe is why it started to get really like lost in like the black or white noise, whatever you want to call it of Mm. the internet. But I think once they finally found out like how to just do individual like sketches on YouTube videos and like really it was just political humor that I think our generation liked, but even that it doesn't stick out that much. Mm -hmm. Like I think 10 years from now, no one's going to be like repeating that joke or whatever joke. Whereas right yeah. now, I could totally remember all the OJ jokes that Norm MacDonald did. <laughs> yeah, those are brutal. <laughs> and like, you know, the iconic ones you remember, but no, nothing from this era. Yeah, it's just life's gotten so strange. Like, I mean, OJ is like on Twitter. <laughs> it's like the actual OJ. And uh, that's, to me, is uh, like not entertainment like in a good way but just so shocking and I, I do 
watch his videos and read his tweets, just like, I can't believe this guy's here, like commenting on the Olympics and commenting on <laughs> his takes are so weird. That it's just like, this is really entertaining. Uh, are you aware maybe of the Spider-Man but... meme of like where the Spider-Man are like pointing at each other and they're the same person? Yes, I've seen it. Okay, yeah. so right now there's a headline going around saying OJ won't return to L.A. because he's afraid of encountering his wife's murderer. And the, <laughs> uh-huh. it, basically, the Spider-Man is like OJ pointing at OJ's oh, murderer. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, awesome. that's... Yeah, memes seem to hit the target a lot of times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's you know a lot of things that make me laugh aren't you know like I I I like stand up comedians and jokes but you know it's a lot of the visual stuff. Um, I like TikToks a lot, but that's just because I'm a dork and I try to stay with it. Yeah. I I said stay with it. That sounds so old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think I I might set one up just for kind of like. Uh, maybe this is awful, but just to kind of make like short ad kind of mm-hmm. stuff, you know, for this book that um, is kind of in the queue is a comic anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that might be the best way to, if I could kind of get some traction on TikTok, I feel like that's the best way to present that type of a book. But um, I don't know. See, I yeah, just could work. go. I don't even attempt to like make TikToks because <laughs> I know I'd be terrible at it. Yeah, I'm feeling that way too. <laughs> it would just be bad. I just like but... watching the younger people do hilarious shit and be like, God damn, they're just as depressed as I am. Awesome. <laughs> totally. I love like, totally. okay, it goes by algorithms. So like basically like if you swipe enough on one video – then it's like you could end up on cat TikTok or right now I'm on serial killer TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. I accidentally ended up on Trump TikTok at one point and I was like, no, oh, go back my. to serial killer TikTok, please. Yeah, that's much healthier <laughs> place to be, I think. <laughs> exactly. But I recommend uh, making one, check, checking out yeah, the fun videos. That, that was a suggestion of our intern. She was like, yeah, you know, you should do that because, you know, if it does kind of, if, if it catches on, that could really reach a lot more people than like your Instagram posts. So I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I, you set it up because <laughs> I'm not willfully doing this myself. Uh, I feel like I should just make someone else at Maldon House do that for us. Yeah. It's your job. Yeah. Then you can just kind of be like, hey. You got me into this. <laughs> <laughs> I have witnessed, though, on TikTok, there are some, uh, there's like this one business, I cannot believe it, it was one of those seltzer uh, beer businesses. They're going to fail, like, right when the pandemic hit, but because they did TikTok and they really, like, worked the algorithm well, they actually ended up being, like, a really, really successful business. Yeah. So if I you know what you're that... doing, then Yeah. That, like, hard seltzer thing, it was so, uh, like, perfect like for the pandemic. Ass I think. for me. For yeah. Me, but... Yeah, I've had a couple. It's not really my thing. To each their um, own. But, yeah. 
Yeah, I just feel like it's synced up with people staying in their houses for a year really well. It's like, yeah, hey, I'm just going to, you know, it's like not a ton of carbs and get drunk and all that. <laughs> Basically, um, I have a really cool condo where our entire building, like we kind of have like get togethers and everything. Now we do. Uh-huh. We did in the yeah. beginning. Basically, our building manager, though, would leave out, like, a table of, like, cool stuff. And it was, like, once a week. They would leave out, like, a shit ton of White Claws. Oh. Yeah. That's nice, I guess. We have a lot of White Claw now in our refrigerator, and no (laughs) one will drink it. We invite friends (laughs) over, and we're like, would you like Woodchuck, or do you like some White Claw? And they're like, Woodchuck, please. (laughs) Yeah. I'll take plain water, even. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff's just strange. It's... The only people uh, who will touch the white claw are people who are in like their early twenties who come to yeah. hang out here. <laughs> hey, I don't know. It tastes like Alka Seltzer or something to me. But yeah, it just doesn't uh, taste right. But I do like with the pandemic, people actually kind of became little alcoholics. That was fun. Mm. Yeah, I, I can definitely say that's happened to a lot of folks. Uh, it's been such a, I, I, uh, not to open up a can of worms, but I, and I'm not complaining here, but I've pretty much went from being a workaholic before the pandemic, maybe like 45, 50 hours a week, at least, uh, and thinking, well, all right, now I'm going to be at home just like on the phone. Um, but it, it's made it way more, um, work and more mm-hmm. hours. So I've been kind of pedal to the metal, which on some level, I guess that's good to kind of keep my mind off of reality of things. But um, yeah, I'm tired. I need like a year off of just not doing anything. And uh, See, that's where the smart people gotta, who weren't essential workers went. Yeah, I'm yeah. so pissed I am one. I'm <laughs> Don't you hate being considered essential now? Like... Ah, yeah, I I didn't want to get into this. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't sign up for that. Um, But no, I don't get paid anymore. That is like their employees are like, "Eh, you don't work by normal hours. Here's more work. Yeah, absolutely. There's just like so weird. Less of like boundaries too, where like they don't care like how late you're working or like. They'll call you at any time. I don't have that, yep. but I know a lot of other people too. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I kind of don't stop working ever, so uh, totally. Um, what do you thus, do? Uh, for work? Mm-hmm. Uh, therapist. Oh, damn, that's awesome. Yeah. This is where I get into hot water. <laughs> Because I know um, you don't like want to probably talk about patience, but that sounds so cool. You mm, probably are making bank then. Uh, I guess. I mean, I have uh, a whole family, and the bank probably goes paying, <laughs> which I want to. But yeah, that that's where my money goes. I would say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I've become like yeah. best friends with my therapist. Oh, yeah. During the pandemic. So they sh- <laughs> you should give them a copy of my book. They 
she they might, might like not it. like it. Yeah, I she probably know. will not like it at all. <laughs> she actually has a pretty good sense of humor, so who knows? Oh, well, <laughs> I'll send her a copy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's right. I've done that for 22 years, if you could believe that. And wow. This is why I listen to Grateful Dead pretty much, because uh, uh, my nerves are shot. But um, yeah, yeah, 22 years. So, and I've never you know, seen not to, you know, be down about the pandemic and stuff, but I've never seen a mental health shift like this before. Oh, and I believe you. Yeah. Even just my own identity. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's shifted things a ton. I um, feel like I've been going through like a few like disassociative states a few times. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's messed up, <laughs> but uh. But my therapist, yeah. probably like you, she works from like eight a.m. to eight p.m. Now, like used to have a normal <laughs> schedule, but then like an onslaught of clients suddenly. Yeah, and I I think what happened to me is I took more people, um, you know, because almost every therapist in my area has a big thing on there, like profile or whatever uh, saying not accepting new clients so I I kept taking people because I didn't have to drive to work so there's another hour and then you know doing telehealth you could just go bam 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 hour to hour so now trying to transition back to the office is really hard because there's like you know 10 minutes in between each person and then getting to the office so I'm seeing way too many people and going back is just uh, it's it's difficult just because uh, I I built up the numbers so much over the last year and a half. So I'm still figuring out what to do with that exactly. But, yeah, um, that sounds like it's hell. My therapist does it where she does it uh, half and half right now, where she does like half telehealth and then half like people see in the office. But like that's because of the Delta variant. Right. Like, people yep. feel comfortable, can go see her in the office, but, yeah, I can't imagine yep. being in the office that long. Yeah, it's strange. I'm doing the same thing. I pretty much do couples counseling in the office mm-hmm. <laughs> and the rest telehealth. So, you know, because that's couples counseling does not work over telehealth, in my opinion. It's You got to see, like, like, the physical cues and everything, right? Yeah. And they're probably like signaling each other with their hands, like, you know, stop saying that, or, you know, yeah. staring at each other. There's no way I would know that. So you got to get a vibe <laughs> for that. No, I definitely got to be there. Yeah. Like, who knows if somebody has the other person in a headlock or something while you're talking to them on the phone? It's like, <laughs> uh, that's going to be in person or it doesn't work. Exactly. So. But see, yeah, I, I go in for that. About, like, if I'd make a good therapist, I, d- I don't think so. So. No, okay. I feel like I would just give <laughs> terrible advice, but yeah. Yes. I have too dark well, of a sense of humor, too. Yep. Yeah, I, not everybody I, has that sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely brushed up against uh, some people kind of thinking, uh, I don't know what, we, we didn't click on a humor level, that's for sure. That's actually... Um, 
I almost basically interviewed therapists before I actually selected one. Like I actually was like taste testing them to be like, where's your sense of humor? Where's your sense of humor? Uh Are you aware of the internet? How far deep are you into it? (laughs) I think it's a hundred percent fair. I mean, I told my therapist Uh, that like a couple weeks ago and she's like, wait, how many did you interview before you picked me? And I was like, I want to say 10. Hey, that's great. She felt flattered. It works. I don't want to get her upset with me saying this, but every <laughs> every time I meet with somebody, there's kind of like this feedback thing I do at the end where it's like, you know, did, did you think I listened to you and understood you today? And mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you know, it's kind of like quality assurance of how the session went. We and do that I occasionally, think, yeah. Yeah, I think everybody uh, should be picky about their therapist, you know, and, and be sure the rapport is always good. And if you want something different, you should have a forum to say, like, hey, I need a little more of this, I need a little less than that. That's actually um, when we started, um, I was given a packet to fill out of, like, what my biggest fears were, what I needed most. And then occasionally, mm-hmm. like, I want to say, like, once a month, we kind of go back to it and we check back in and... I grade like how far I think I've been going with it or how much I think she's been receptive and shit like that. Nice. So that's well, interesting. Well, you got a good method. one. <laughs> that's great. I'm always intrigued how other people do it, but I think your method is cool too. But like, I don't know. How honest are people? Like how much can you count on them to tell you the truth? Uh, I kind of give them like hey i have super thick skin i'm my own boss don't worry i want you to tell me if it's off rate it low so we could go back over it next time you know, like kind of <laughs> like don't worry i'm not gonna fire myself type of speech and you know they're usually you know a lot of times people have something to say and they just don't have a kind of like tool to to say it with so that's why i just have them kind of write it and we don't have to read it that time do you think it's weird but, that, like, if they Google your name, they're going to find therapists <laughs> gone wild? Yes, I'm terrified of things like that. Or Arabon Radar guy. You want yeah. the guy from Arabon Radar to be your therapist. I've thought about this a lot. See, like, I would. Uh, this guy's a maniac. <laughs> you would? <laughs> well, uh, what's your insurance? No, no, just kidding. Uh, no, it's that concerns me. I mean, I, I've just... It's weird being a therapist because, you know, you can't, uh, I guess some therapists live it 24 seven, but uh, what gets edged out is like your own needs a lot of times and your own, um, you know, like maybe you're a painter too, or maybe you're this. And, uh, you know, I've always hoped, uh, people could see that, like, look, this is kind of my high school band here. This wasn't, you know, I'm not sitting around like, you know. Uh, moshing every night of my life after I get off the phone with you or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm a different person now. So I I've, guess like it, it really does depend on like what your main client base is. <laughs> yeah. There's been a couple people who've connected the dots though. Like you're that guy from that band, aren't you? And I, they were Googling me, I'm sure. So um, I've told some people like, yeah, I am. I accidentally and, uh, outed a friend because uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say a friend, a coworker, but like eight years ago, we were both teaching at a school and it took me a while to recognize her. 
and I'm trying to remember the name of the band. It wasn't Classy Ladies, but either mm-hmm. way, like, I saw her perform at, like, I think it was an art gallery, but it was totally a punk show. But yep. it was like she was in a wannabe Riot girl band, and her number one hit was <laughs> Lick My Pussy. <laughs> oh, boy. And I might have, like, yep. let it slip to one of the students. <laughs> Because they're like, how do you know each other? What do you guys do when you, like, go home? And I was like, well, I'm a writer. And then, like, another person, Bill, is an actor. And her name was Julie. And I was like, and she plays music. And they're like, what kind? I was like, not the kind you should listen to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she can tell you what her hit is called (laughs) herself, I guess. It it was so bad. Because she immediately knew, like, three days later, when everybody (laughs) knew, lick my pussy. She's like, it was you. Oh man, that's an awkward conversation. Awkward conversation. I'm... That's what I was like. Uh, I think it's time to me for me to leave this job. <laughs> I think I'm gonna that's try writing really full time now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's a few Arab on radar song titles, which I had nothing to do with writing any of those song titles, but those are a little like yeah, I could see people being like, "Jeez, man, you were part of that." Uh, no. What's like the worst? Oh God, do I have to say it, Mallory? <laughs> uh, Come on. Spit shine my a hole is one name of a song. <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, yeah, there's others that are. Are you equally on Spotify at all? Yeah, sure. Yep. See, now I'm gonna just start listening. Yeah, they're all up on Spotify. <laughs> I, I dig it. But, I'm looking at your Wikipedia right now. That's pretty cool. Mr. Mm. Clinical Depression. Yeah, that was kind of my uh, whatever pen name, whatever the <laughs> saying is there. I, I, I was, I we, think we went with those nicknames, you're going to be a therapist. Yeah, it was kind of. Uh, I didn't think so at the time, but it's probably a good idea that I did go that route. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm not depressed still. I mean, hey, uh, we all are. Yeah, how can you not be right now? To be honest, but uh, but yeah, everybody was kind of like whatever they jumped off the page about their personality or their, uh, you know, mental health, and yeah, that's where I landed. I dig it. I'm trying to imagine like what my name would be in this. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> you know, it's a weird thing. This is probably a controversial uh, thing to say, and I don't know why this popped in my head, but, you know, a lot of people talk about the 90s or that time as being, um, rightly so, that whole Woodstock 99 thing, like super rapey, awful, toxic masculinity going on. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, but... And I'm not trying to whitewash myself here or anything, but I was so depressed. Um, and my libido was so gone that I don't feel like I partook in a lot of things that were going around, going on around me. <laughs> so in some totally backwards way, um, depression probably like kept me from being just as horrible as a lot of my peers I think Which like is a, a really weird that thing. And also personality in general. 
that's nice. <laughs> I, I will tell myself that for sure. I, I agree. Yeah, like I didn't like a lot of stuff that I saw going on back then. You know, it was a lot of people calling other people out about that stuff back then. And um, but that said, I did part. I was in that band. Some of the lyrics in that band are absolutely misogynistic, sexist stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I've always, it. you know, I look at it like uh, that's what it was. And I'm not sure if I would change it. I probably just wouldn't encourage it. Definitely not today's world, which is very different from that world. And I don't think we harmed anybody. Maybe say, like, it's problematic, maybe. This is problematic. Now it is. Yeah. Now it is. It wasn't at the time. Like, you admit it, say you wouldn't do it anymore. You you understand the misogyny. Uh, I think so. Yeah. There was a side I, I mean, there was a big beef I had with the, there's many beefs with the band. That's a whole other podcast. But um, I, I remember like being that's at. inevitable. Yeah. You can see tons of articles written about that too online <laughs> somewhere. But, uh, you know, the, the lyrics, it was a lot of, we would play all ages shows mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I remember having many arguments about should we sell this. It wasn't like a, a gender thing. It was more just like there's like 14 year olds here, like children. You know, should we be selling spit shine my, you know, what to a 13 year old kid? <laughs> <laughs> and we would debate that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I usually lost the debate and we would sell it. But um, I didn't like that at the time. It was probably part of the reason we broke up was over things like that. When did you break up? Well, we broke up the first time in 2002. And then we did a reunion tour in 2010, which was failure to launch. We had become very different people since 2002. Like I was like already doing the therapy thing. And my life just changed a lot from sleeping on floors and eating ramen noodles and all that. Oh, yeah. Nothing against that. But I just was kind of like, you know what, man? I want a hotel room. This is bullshit. Um, and and I think that was a big divide because um, I don't know if I came across as a prima donna or something, but I, I just didn't want to go back into it like we were back in the 90s and 2002 where it was like, all right, grinding it out. Uh, I wanted to be more business about it and you know, kind of get paid and treated a little better. I think once you hit a certain so. age, like, it's not as, like, awesome to, like, as you said, like, live the kind of, like, not grunge lifestyle, but, yeah, like, the I'm a bum lifestyle a little bit. Yeah. Sleeping in cars, eating scraps, you know. <laughs> yep. I hope to not go back there anytime soon, <laughs> for sure. As a Because uh, I could not hack it. Bound to have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be sleeping in my car. Uh, Unless oh, somehow everybody gets cured of their mental ailments, which it doesn't seem likely. Yeah, it's trending the other direction, unfortunately. And I like wish people I wish more, more open about it. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I like that um, aspect of things where people are kind of like, it's not, uh, it's still 
taboo to a degree, but it's much less where people can speak openly about things to say, look, I'm, I'm dealing with this. Uh, when I was younger, that was forget it. You, you internalized all that and didn't really talk about it. And if you did, you were seen as, um, you know, like disordered and messed up or something. It's like, well, you know, life, uh, is highly emotional and, a lot of what's going on now, it's a very normal reaction to your environment now. It's it's okay to talk about that. There are some things I would not necessarily embrace, though, as good thing. Such as? Like when people talk about autism, things like that, I think that's something that, yes, it's different. It's equal. It's, it's something you should absolutely... Um, embrace but i would say things like depression i i think it's good to talk about it but i still see it as a problem mm-hmm. you know like don't don't be like yeah i love hating myself and being hopeless and sleeping for 15 hours a day. like i couldn't tell somebody like yeah you should do that like totally like full immersion with that like you should be psyched about you know um all that <laughs> not not you know not eating for days and all that fun stuff uh, i gotta you know. say as someone who is bipolar those are the good days if you ever want to lose weight <laughs> i know see most unhealthy <laughs> thing i'll say <laughs> see i think you'd make a good therapist personally that's you'd be like hi to my depression people... i was very very skinny <laughs> i looked good i mean <laughs> yeah Looked good in the 90s yeah. way. Like, is she on yeah. heroin or is she just depressed? <laughs> right. Yeah. There are, there is uh, pros and cons of everything, <laughs> for sure. It wasn't but, until I started you know, feeling mania and then I was like, oh, shit, I want to go back to the depression. Yeah. I know most people are the I other know, way, but so, yeah. Right. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people really like mania get a lot done and Ooh, it's a good I wish, vibe yeah i wish it could just stay that way why not but it, it hits different yeah yes but see the thing is i'd say it some people they go two up and like the higher up you go right. the harder you're gonna crash it's almost like i know yeah. more how to cope with the depression than the mania right that makes sense to a certain degree Yep. I'm talking to you more than yeah. I talk like to my therapist about these. <laughs> I love it. See, you're great Am I at your doing job. It? Well, it's funny, you know, people ask me like at parties or whatever, back when I used to go to parties, um, say, what do you do? I say, I'm a landscaper. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife's like, what the fuck are you lying to this person? Because you don't like, want them to suddenly go into their mental weirdness. Yeah. They're going to be like, look, you know, my cousin's on Ritalin. Do you think that's a good idea? I'm like, all right, I, you know. Because, you know, when you say landscaper, there's like, okay, don't want to talk to you about uh, <laughs> planting the uh, shrubs and rhododendrons and stuff. Uh, it's That gets people to kind of That will backfire on you in the, today's <laughs> world, especially in the literary world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are they all about uh, landscaping? They'll just be like, tell me more about how this works. <laughs> We like weird yeah. jobs. The odder your job yeah. is, the more we're intrigued. <laughs> yeah. What kind of weed whacker do you use? 
exactly. I could talk. I can talk about that. But uh, yeah, the, I used to say oh, I'm a therapist, and um, but then it's I'm working, and it's like bam. Uh, it's the same thing as like when uh, you say like if you're a doctor, and suddenly everyone's just like I've got a pain yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this thing on my neck. Take a look at it. <laughs> It's like you don't want to deal with that shit. I wish I, I'm. I would be that person. I'm always thinking, man. I need lawyer friends. It's just like everybody mm. pisses me off. I wish I could just like call up my buddy and be like, hey, what what can I do about this? And they just tell me. See, um, in my family, we have lawyers for days. Almost oh, yeah? all of my siblings are lawyers. Wow. So I somebody know. pisses you off, you can just call up your. Oh, yeah. Your siblings would be like, what do I do about this? That's wonderful. I like that they're all in different Jealous. fields, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. The one I though, be... who's the best attorney has the most boring field, but also the most essential. She's an ethics attorney. Oh, wow. And I was just like, yep. that's really good, but also not useful to me at all. <laughs> uh-huh. I'd be like, I'm happy you're <laughs> keeping other lawyers in check, but... <laughs> I need an attack dog. Yeah. You need like a criminal defense attorney or something. I'd say the most useful we have right now is my brother who's a personal injury attorney. Oh. You see, I maybe I'm uh, under a myth, but um, I feel like a lot of the shit I have to deal with, those people just know how to not deal with it. You know, like, like uh, hey, I need somebody like come to my house and um you know like help me build this wall and then they come they take my down payment and just like never show up and disappear i'm like man if i was an attorney you see they know how to like get on the phone and deal with this stuff they probably don't have to deal with any of that unfair oh, yeah. shit <laughs> i don't know any so i'm totally jealous that's awesome see it was expected of me to be an attorney as well because i do uh, also have that attitude you got to, like, essentially bitch someone out, but not in a crazy Karen way, but in, like, I will bring the hammer down on you way. Ah, uh, see, I suck at that. I suck at that part so much. See, that's my I, job in my household with my boyfriend, where he's like, something has gone wrong. I need someone to talk to the building manager. I'm just like, <laughs> give me two seconds. I got to get my shoes on. <laughs> You're like, hold my white claw. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> if you See, listen I, to past I, episodes, there is one building manager that we actually all successfully chased out. I've heard this. Yeah, what, Kiki or? Yeah, Kiki. That, oh, I brought up the K word. Sorry. But she's yeah. gone. She's like, making her way gong, into The bitch is gone. Good for you. Or everybody. <laughs> Sounds like it was a collaborative effort. It really was. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like it became like a thing where every time like I'd run into someone in the mailroom, it would be like, can you believe what this bitch just said? <laughs> and like we'd be looking at the apartment buildings that are all springing up around us. And they're like, we're going to make an appointment to check out those. Unless someone yeah. gets rid of this bitch. And yeah. Yep. So she, she was go. gone. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... Small victories. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. the new guys. He, he keeps to himself, but he seems nice enough. And you know what? I like that. I like a building manager who doesn't get on my ass about shit. Yeah. I think it's much better. Yeah. Much better. And you know what? He doesn't care about my Black Lives Matter sign because he has a Black <laughs> Lives bumper sticker. 
Ah, that's good. I know. I'm just like, fuck yeah, dude. You're with me. What was Kiki's, like, She dare I ask? (laughs) She would ask me to take the sign down occasionally, saying it would make certain people uncomfortable. And see, that's where the fun Uh, lawyer side comes out, is when you just dead ass (laughs) stare at them and be like, would you please clarify? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, what people? Put that in writing. Yes. Just start, like, walking her through the steps and be like, okay, so you're the racist. Got it. Yeah. Well, she's moved on, which is wonderful. Yeah, I'm not sure if she was fired or just moved somewhere else, but she's someone else's problem. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good thing for them, wherever they are. <laughs> I would find it hilarious if she indeed was in one of the buildings, like, across the street. <laughs> Or she's just listening to this these podcasts. <laughs> she never liked me in the first place, so now she's probably like that bitch. <laughs> probably. Like, if there is a name that's mentioned more in this podcast, it's it's definitely her. Yeah, she's become like a celeb. Yeah, mini celeb of everybody hates her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotta love those uh, people in your life when everyone can just kind of like join hands and be like, they're fucking evil. Get rid of them. Yeah, it's, I think it's the podcast magic. Maybe she just felt that and was like, I gotta leave. These vibes are getting to me. Sometimes I did wonder because I like speak a little loudly. And I'm just <laughs> like, what if she was ever walking the halls and heard that shit? <laughs> The only thing hey. that makes me happier about the podcast is hoping that people are walking the halls and can hear me and know that I'm in here all alone. <laughs> You're like, what's she doing in there? No, like, is she having a one-sided loud conversation? What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Be like, she's obviously no. getting answers in her mind because I don't hear anybody else. <laughs> yes. She's not even giving herself the rebuttal. What? <laughs> Working some stuff out. Sorry. <laughs> Just having my own mini fight club in my head. And yes, I know that that movie's problematic too and is not great at representing, <sighs> representing yeah, mental health. That's for sure. It gets a lot of hate for that. I'm just like, yeah, I, I totally know that that is not legit. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yep. How do yeah, therapists it's... feel about that movie? I don't know. Uh, I'm not. Sh- I, I'm weird, obviously, so I, I can't speak for anybody but myself. But I don't know. I, I always just put it with it's just a movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't run with that too much. I get. I guess there's more offensive things out there that I think of, like. Um, I don't know. I I do like. Uh, some of the language shifts, like, you know, I, I still say crazy and things like that just off the cuff, but I, I like that people at least try to look at that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, I forget how many years ago this was, the, the big kind of like pejorative was uh, cray, you know, you're cray. People saying this about each other, oh, you're God, cray. I remember that. Or you're a schizo, you know, I say you're a schizo and all of this stuff. It's kind of, I, that... I would love to like ask majority of those people, like, can you please really explain what schizo means? Yeah. 
Because I don't think most people actually understand what that one is. Right. Like, they'd have to start Googling really quickly. Yeah, just generally speaking, a lot of uh, things are misunderstood when you bounce it up against pop culture understanding of uh, even psychology today, which I'm not a big fan of that magazine. Uh, that's a lot of fluff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dr. Phil and these, this is, this is fiction, you know, like uh, TV stuff. So, and a lot of times people, um, you know, they're kind of running with a, uh, either a diagnosis or something like that, where, I like it when people self-diagnose. Yeah. Mayo Clinic is to blame for that a lot of times. People argue with me all the time. Well, Mayo Clinic said this. I'm like, look, just stay off of it. Don't, like, do this to yourself. Um, I like when also people just kind of, like, assign mental illnesses just to explain, like, a personality defect like maybe you're just a shitty person. It, it's not always mm-hmm. mental illness, right? Or I'm so OCD. This is another thing. There's a very small. Oh my small... god, I hate that one. It's like no, you yeah, just don't the... like germs, or you like things to stay in their place. That's not all OCD. Yeah, very few people have OCD. It's not common. Yeah. Um. So it's like, but uh, compared to the amount of people who say that, <laughs> you know. It's like you're just control freak. I mean, same thing as like me as a bipolar person. I'm just like I hear people say bipolar so many times. I just want to bitch slap them and be like, no, you yeah. don't know what that actually means. Right. I was like in or- line at the DMV yesterday, and seriously, I was behind this cheerleader, and she was annoying the hell out of me. And she was talking about some girl on her team, and she's like, oh my god, she's so bipolar. I cannot stand her. Her mood is always shifting. And it's me like, 16-year-old, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. I know. That's the the BPD thing, too. It's yeah. uh, always like related to like sexuality. Like, oh, why do they always have to be BPD? I Meaning like, somebody they just hooked up with or something. And uh, I'm like, I don't know. Like to me, I bristle a little bit at these things. Maybe I'm too sensitive about the language, but it's kind of like, mean, look, you know, job, so. yeah. And, and a lot of times these things aren't pleasant for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes me feel kind of bad. Like, don't just throw that around. It's something, um, yeah, there's good and bad to everything, but a lot of, stuff I'm talking to people about is trying to change the bad because it sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I hate hearing it like, oh, she's so BPD. It's like... You want to change uh, the stigmatism of it, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't... Maybe I'm a little distracted, but that stuff bothers me more than, like, movies and stuff like that. Well, I guess I was saying, like, with Fight Club is that that actually plays in to the stigma a little bit. Of like say schizophrenia. Yeah. But it's still a fucking not, awesome movie. I, I won't give that up. The movie's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I like how it's intertwined with like support groups and they kind of um satirize that whole thing and Meatloaf's character's wonderful. Uh I think. <laughs> and uh 
I'm not I sure. I completely. That was him. Oh wow. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, aka meatloaf. Uh, um, but I, I'm not sure. I wrap my head around Fight Club entirely, like especially the end, whether maybe I should revisit that, but I don't know if it's all like a schizophrenic um, delusion or something like that. I might be missing That's, that. yeah. And also the way he was able to get rid of it was basically shooting himself somewhat in the head. Right. It's weird. Yeah. Showing people that if they were to do that, yes, you could miss and not kill yourself, but also probably don't go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. Even when that book came out, there was problems. Uh, I know the but, author uh, in general is problematic, but... Yeah. <laughs> I would say, for me, though, when it comes to the film, I just love Brad Pitt, so... Yeah, he's... I think... I When I think of Brad Pitt, I think of that movie, so I think it's one of his better roles, for sure. He was awesome. It's one of those Tyler... I was Tyler Durden, yeah. Mm. Is it Durden? Yeah, yeah or Darden. I think so. Fuck. Yeah, uh, Durden, I'm th- thinking. Yeah, I think it's Durden. But yeah, he was badass and, you know. He's going to go the distance when it comes to his roles, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not just a pretty boy thing either as a girl. I'm not just being like, oh my God, he's so hot. But he could really mm. act in a fun way. I dig it. Yeah. So, yep. I, I like how yeah, I've like it's... almost ended the podcast with Brad Pitt's awesome, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, Brad Pitt's hot as hell, yeah. Uh, I, I think he's good looking. <laughs> I mean, ob- objectively, he's, you know. yeah. I think we could all appreciate Brad Pitt a little bit. <laughs> I think he's universally seen as a good looking guy. <laughs> yeah, people say that, yep. <laughs> I think it would be hard to argue in the other direction, I would just say. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard that too much. Like, you could argue that Leo DiCaprio is not good-looking, and I'd be like, hey, you know what? He aged yeah. terribly. <laughs> he does <True>. have dad bod. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Do you have, like, favorite movies? Like, what, what is, like, your favorite iconic film? Oh. I'm going through, like, Oh, your- God currents I, right now I, I don't answers. know I don't know uh, I can tell you I really uh, people might get pissed about this I love Dr. Zhivago uh, oh I dig that I love that movie Why it's would a long get haul because eh, it's a little like anti-socialist undertones and stuff like that and yeah. I think a lot of my friends are like see it as some kind of reactionary movie or something, but I don't know. I You're think it's beautiful. talking to someone with a hammer and sickle tattoo. I think it's a great film. <laughs> okay. I could appreciate yeah, it. It's great. Hey, I think it's, yeah, absolutely communist approved. Hell yes. <laughs> and, you know, just like uh, Klaus Kinski's role, you know, when they're on the train there, it's so out there. And, uh, and the fact that he was just... I guess I resonate with the Zhivago where it's like this the guy who just kind of amazing. Yeah. It's beautiful. 
Yeah, he just wants to static. write poetry, you know. He just wants to be simple, and all this crap's going on around him. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna, I'd like, like totally that. rewatch that. My boyfriend loves that movie, so yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I watch a lot of you know. I binge stuff like everybody else. So I've what have I seen lately? I was good. Uh, yeah. Oh, I've been on this current Paul Schrader show was The Sopranos, according to the currents. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I like The Sopranos. I hate that last but, episode, but okay. Oh, I know. I felt bad. They can't uh, all end the series great, can they? Nope. I'm on a Paul Schrader kick. I've never seen like that Mishima movie or any of that till maybe a couple weeks ago and uh you know paul schrader is so out there on face his facebook posts are so it reminds me of stuff like my father posts which is just so like oh my god like don't touch waitresses don't (laughs) do this shit you're doing and you can't even see what's wrong with what you're doing but he's just uh you know so out there and he he's got a movie coming up, I think in September maybe, called Card Counter. Card Counter. So there's a trailer up for that now. It's that to me looks like something I might. It's dark and weird, and there's it's a new actor. These times, yeah. It might be. Yeah, it might be. Seems a little like in the vein of like a joker kind of thing where it's like mm-hmm. all right this remake of taxi driver movie so it seems a little bit more like a throwback to some kind of 70s t- stuff you know i'm totally watch the trailer Which, after this. it makes sense because you know schrader wrote taxi driver yeah. so you know it makes sense that it would be kind of 70s ish but uh I mean, some people yeah. can't get out of that frame of mind so yeah yeah, I might be one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I might be one, but I don't know. What, what is, is this F Boy Island or F Boy Island? Do you, know, you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> I don't know if this is real or not, but it seems like it's a uh, uh, you know that's the name of the um, show. I could be totally wrong about this. So I probably should research it more, but that sounds Ooh. interesting. HBO Originals. Hmm. Interesting. It only has one star on IMDb, though. Oh, okay. Maybe it's great, though. F-Boy. That'd Could... be like Fuckboys. Yeah. Yep. Fuckboy Island. I, I, I think it's so <laughs> weird. Like, the first article that shows up is, On Fuckboy Island, the line between nice guys and fuckboys is thin to non-existence. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm intrigued, but yeah. also, I don't know. This, this has spurred a lot of um, tweets about whether or not you can be a recovered fuckboy or not. This whole really? debate. Whether you can be re- rehabilitated. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, I don't know. But Potentially, yeah. I don't know. I don't know yeah. any fuckboys. I don't think I've ever actually <laughs> mingled yeah. with a fuckboy. If I have, then they were rehabilitated. Yeah, I wouldn't know one if I saw one, I guess. Yeah. But 
But that sounded like, yeah, I probably will watch that just to see what kind of, what it's about. <laughs> see, I need to get into some new stuff. I mean, I've just been like rewatching old things like crazy. Yeah. But. Yeah. Zhivago's good and uh I don't know favorite of all time I I'm immediately thinking though like as you said it was socialist it's like I can't stand it when like they're pretentious and can't stand to watch anything that's against like their values like I don't know get over yeah, it yeah I've never I I'm this probably will bring up a bunch of shit but I, I'm one of those people I kind of can separate the art from the artist thing I've not a hundred percent, but close. About that in my horrorcast podcast, and also okay. the podcast that I appeared on a couple weeks ago. Nice. It's what, a, what were you thinking? Everybody has different opinions. Both people I discussed it with were on your side. For me, it's a case by case basis. Right. Yeah. I think I'd put it there too. Like, there's definitely things like that's all messed up and should not be in, endorsed at all. But uh, I believe like, in gray I areas. Think... I, I can definitely understand where some people can side with certain things. And I also understand why people can't let go of like certain films. Right. But, yeah. I just think like the, the, that particular thing, like, you know, like somebody who's communist, like hating Zhivago, it's like, I mean, you know, to me, it's just like, well, this is just a movie. Like, like you can watch it yeah. for other reasons. It's got beautiful mountains and Russia and, you know, like, yeah, check it, it. Ch yeah. check it out. You know, it doesn't have to be like super, you agree with everything the movie's about. I mean, you're talking to someone who's a communist, but I also love the movie Bling Ring. So <laughs> I haven't seen it. Is that good? <laughs> It's, it's it's a girl movie. I don't know. I, okay. It's fun. It's based off a true story. Bling I, ring. Wow. Yeah. I recommend it. And it's been discussed okay. in a previous podcast. Too. Oh, that's going on my queue for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. Are there any, like, musicians that you feel like would be like separate the art from the artist. Like, did any of them like go too far and you don't think you can listen to them anymore or what? Um, well, let me, this is all over the place too, but we uh, opened for Marilyn Manson back in the day mm. uh, when he played clubs. So there was a little club uh, called club baby head. It's <laughs> the name of the club. Uh, which was a, an interesting little joint in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, yeah, we opened for Manson. We we were jumping on bills. This was our approach. We couldn't get our own crowd. So we would, you know, like bands like Ween or, um, you know, like these, just anybody who was more popular who might draw people, we would beg the booking agent of the club like please just let us open so we had this whole strategy of just jumping on bills to get an audience well at the time we wore like powder blue 1970s leisure suits and like <laughs> ascots and pink shirts we looked like you know like the brady punch or something like please tell and, me that there's uh, photographic evidence of this 
There might be like, I don't think there's any photos of that show. Damn. There's a flyer for it, um, but no photos. Yeah, unfortunately. But so, of course, we didn't know who Marilyn Manson was. It was just this crazy guy from Florida who, like, you know, did things with dildos and you know, all this stuff on stage. And But we didn't realize his fans, it's like the Ramones or something like their fans are their fans and that's it. Mm-hmm. And these people, this is kind of like when it, goth became like angry goth people. They weren't like quiet or anything anymore. It was like this hatred kind of um, school shooter shit going on. Mm-hmm. So these, everybody, uh, they hated us and assaulted us and like threw stuff and spit at us and we ended up like fleeing the club god damn um, so needless to say i've kind of followed brian warner's um, career over the years and thinking like this guy's kind of a piece of shit you know like he he kind of was back then and i didn't like his fans very much obviously um and i could see how manipulative and weird it was the whole thing and mm-hmm. um but I guess I would say that's a person who I don't really buy it. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't buy it. Like, hey, he's Marilyn Manson. Like, what do you expect? Kind of thing. It's like, no, nah, this guy's uh, sucks. And I never really liked his music either. So Same um, here. I, I, I just don't like him. I loved it. And yeah. <laughs> That's when I knew that I didn't want to date them anymore. That's that's a good reason for sure. That's <laughs> more than enough of a reason. Really? Yeah, I, I don't like the guy. I never liked him. So, fuck him. And uh, but and that I you know I feel like the music is what he is. Um, an asshole. Take us to another like controversial thing. I think we started on this. Then it, going into uh, the lit world. Taolin, what do you think? Canceled or uncanceled? Oh, man. Uh, I, oh. You cannot answer I think he is, no, no, no. I I wrestle with this. Uh, I don't have a clear opinion about that. I think he survived his cancellation, which was weird to me. Like, usually, I I think there are people who. I think it's because he had money and agents behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he survived it, and he had a lot of people coming out and uh, what's the word? Vouching for him, I guess you could say. So, I I have to be completely honest, and I don't know the guy personally, but I still get like just weird kind of vibes. <laughs> I've met him when he wrote. Uh, shoplifting from American Apparel. I went to a reading in Boston and I got a, him to sign the book. And I think it's impossible to be that aloof and out of it all the time. And sometimes you catch him like at the very beginning of podcasts. He's on like, hey, like speaking normal. Like, hey, just send your book to my, to Bill Clegg there. You know, you wanted to check it out. It's like, all right, you, you can be real normal over here, but then you get back into this kind of like aloof thing 
I know which I find a little annoying. Ton of drugs and everything, or he did before. I think that's like his new brand right yeah. now with Leave Society. Sorry, <clears throat> cough. Yeah, I haven't bit. read it. I haven't read it, and I so I shouldn't prejudge. But does the side of me it doesn't want it, to. But I, I read the articles yeah. around it. Yeah, me too. I just feel like if it's, uh, I I should read it, but I feel like it's a little off-putting in the middle of this pandemic where there's so much misinformation and weird like takes on stuff that confuses people that I don't know if I need um, to read a book about like Terrence McKenna and that whole thing. I don't, not a oh, fan. Yeah. Uh, and, and just like, um, transcendental kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I feel like if anything, we need to go the other direction where it's like factual and something. So it's just not a topic I'm super excited to read about, but I probably, you know, that said, I own like four of his books or something. <laughs> They're on my shelf and I've read them and it is what it is. I don't, I don't really know. I've illegally downloaded some of his books. <laughs> Okay, that's all right. He's got plenty of money, I'm sure, so it's okay. I, was say, I, I couldn't decide how I felt about him. I didn't want to give him money, so, you know, just illegally download. Who knew Pirate Bay right. had Tao Lin books? <laughs> True. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that alone. But, uh, hey, uh, I don't know if I'm the one to judge about cancellation. I, I, don't, I don't know what what should happen with him. I feel like, uh, you know, maybe he has to acknowledge some more stuff and I don't think he wants to do that. And he seems to want to dodge a lot. Yeah. Like, as you said, like quick to blocking, trying not to like discuss it at all or anything that's controversial towards him. Yeah. I don't think he wants to be associated with that stuff or for people to know about it. Which, that's why the Wikipedia you know, thing. <laughs> Right. Right. I mean, I guess I don't blame him. It's like, well, you know, uh, why would you be the first one to run out to get people to not like you? Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't really know. I don't really know exactly specifically what he did. I just know he did something. And then I just try and stay away from that shit and not talk about it. <laughs> Yeah. That's like my big thing where I'm just like, I know we're supposed to hate this person, so I'm going to just not talk about him at all. Mm -hmm. It's easier. Yeah. I could see that. Like, like I was taking a picture of my bookshelf the other day, and my boyfriend was like, you should take the Talon book off. <laughs> and I was oh. like, good call, I guess. Yeah. Don't let people see it. Yeah, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, I have Mein Kampf on my bookshelf. It's like I've read that book. I um, think if you haven't you know, read that book, then you're <laughs> ignorant. But yeah. Yeah. So I'm not like, you know, I feel like you can read things uh, and probably should read things that, yeah. uh, you know, are like, hey, here's what not to do. <laughs> I have a friend who came and looked at our bookshelf 
and I don't have Mein Kampf, but I do have a book called The People Betrayed, and it's all about the lead up to how Germany became uh, to the point where it would embrace fascism and everything. And mm. immediately my friend was like, Nazi lover. And I was like, whoo, yeah. no, this is like sociology a little bit. We're showing how an entire nation was able to kind of get swayed into that. Mm-hmm. But Do you think that's... Uh, maybe I, I definitely sound like a boomer saying this, although I'm not one. But, I would say uh, you're more Gen X. Yeah, I I, I hope so. Uh, Unless you're going to give us think boomer that's, vibes. This might be a little boomer vibe. Uh, do you think that's like a generational thing, like your friend's reaction saying that? I don't know. I, I really couldn't say. Because I'm always afraid of that. Like when people say things like that, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to. I, I don't want you to think that's what this is about, you know, like why why are you Yeah, I would not want to be accused of that shit. It always freaks me out when people would say something like that. But see, as opposed to becoming a lawyer, what I ended up pursuing <laughs> was being a historian. I ended up not mm-hmm. doing it. I freelance and everything now, but that's why nice. I'm so obsessed with seeing all sides of history. Right. But most people are not very accepting of that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I took I. This is so funny, and I I think it's okay to quit things. Uh, and one thing I quit is I bought the three volume. Uh, I guess it's, I guess it's just uh, books. Let's say I don't know if it's uh, nonfiction or not. I think it's fiction, but Shelby Foot. Uh, who's a historian. No, he's a novelist, but um, he wrote this, I don't know how many pages uh, about the Civil War. So you're talking three huge phone books. Um, And I was like, I'm going to figure out the Civil War. (laughs) Because I don't, you know, I want to know. I have always photos. Civil War and narrative, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, they're like three volumes. Yeah. Yeah, they're huge. I think 800 pages plus each one. So um, I probably got like 100 pages in. (laughs) And I'm just like, I will be holed up in here for half a year reading this. But uh, I still stare at it every day. Like I need to get back to grinding on the Civil War so I can understand it better. I'm sure there are like better ways, like maybe a great documentary series and everything to check it out. Mm Because that's yeah. that's an old book or collection, whatever. Because I feel like sign written now would be a lot more less bias, right? And explore more angles of it. Potentially, I don't know much about mm-hmm. Shelby Foot, so. Yeah, I think he's. I, I le. I always understood it as he was kind of like <clears throat> this southern voice, um, you know, like advocating a lot more for. Um, south and i know his kind of role in that ken burns documentary about the civil war he's in that and it's kind of he's like the guy who talks about the south if ken burns can vouch then i I (laughs) give him cred a little bit more yeah but uh i I didn't make it like i I trust ken burns (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, some of his stuff's good yeah yeah, he's got some good stuff. 
I, I will say I've had sick days where I've watched some pretty good Ken Burns documentaries. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to spend a sick day for sure. If you're a history nerd, otherwise people are just like, why the hell were you watching that? Right, right. That's amazing, though. Yeah. So if you weren't a therapist right now, would you still be doing music or would you just be full-time writing? Um, I don't think I'd be doing music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I kind of like consciously stopped. Yeah, I, I, I was in, not to be too long-winded with this, but I was in another band called Made in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was kind of like weird noise rock, but kind of like, uh, I don't know what, like salsa-ish influences in there. And we put out a couple albums and then we wrote what would have been our third album. And um, I think the floor just kind of fell out of the music scene and people just didn't want to go there. It shifted into much more like the whole synth rock or whatever you want to call that. Um, and nobody really wanted to listen to anything that was like kind of had like, I don't know, whatever you call it, like um, music that's not blues based, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So if you start playing like Congos and cowbells and, and, you know, rumba kind of beats. Uh, our audience wasn't going there. <laughs> they wanted to hear rock, you know, like blues-based rock kind of stuff. So I got really discouraged. I felt like you people just can't open your minds and think about other cultures for two seconds, you bastards. <laughs> and I, I got kind of mad. And uh, I was like, fuck it. If nobody cares, then I'm stopping doing this. So just wasn't an audience for it. So I kind of got sour grapes about it and stopped. And then I don't know. I just, uh, I respect a lot of my friends who are still playing music and, you know, Godspeed to them, but I just can't see myself getting up there and doing it anymore. I'm too, too old and tired and I don't have anything really to say with it anymore. It's like, I just, listen to the stuff that's already out there and I'll stand behind that. But writing, you know, like I said, I'm a total child here. It's like, I'm so curious. Um, some editors I'm working with now are helping me actually improve my writing, which needs help. Um, and you know, the whole <laughs> editing, you know, harsh editing is mm-hmm. helping me a lot just like look you you should uh write in a certain way i never thought about like a lot less like plot driven and stuff like that i never thought about doing things like that like and what are you aiming towards now like more character driven or uh yeah i think you know more like um yeah, letting the characters kind of just be in in whatever time space they're in, and just more descriptive of their environments than some overarching plot. So it's more like just moving the plot 
to the background more because a lot of stuff I've written was so like, well, is this therapist? And he, like, he starts seeing clients and he goes crazy and he gets extorted. And it's like this very like, you know, story. I was say, and, I want to uh, hear more about therapists gone wild. I'll send you a copy. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> For sure. Dude, I'm into yeah, it. Yeah. I'm like going through your shop right now. I'm just like, I want this book. I want that book. <laughs> I'll send you a box of stuff. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so stuff like that, you know, just improving my writing or, or changing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably goofy to say this, but I'd like to take a stab at more like uh, fiction that, um, yeah, I'd say more character driven is what, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, not auto fiction, but something oh, close to that. I, I know that's that such name. a bad word. Uh, I know. I didn't come up with it. I didn't. <laughs> but I feel that's like what I they're calling it. <laughs> or something when someone came up with that word. Because at one point we were all lit, then some people were like cyber writing, and I was like, where the fuck did that come from? I've been trying to make metamodernism happen. It's just not happening. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are just laughing. Like, oh, God, he said the A word. But now but, autofiction. Um, it's, it's becoming the thing. People are just calling it that. And I was going to be like, oh, I don't like that name. Get rid of it. Yeah. I think we should all just start protesting that name. Yeah. I, th- I think that definitely a lot of people are on that trip for sure like don't say that word it's like fetch and mean girls like stop trying to make fetch happen <laughs> right right like stop trying to make uh, autofiction happen yeah i'm sorry uh, <laughs> i don't know what else to call it i don't uh, either i've just I, created my own metamodernism that's what i'm calling my writing it's not even a I thing like i think <laughs> i like the sound of it though it sounds catch so much on. like, yeah, I tried. <laughs> I, I even had it like in an interview in the Chicago Reader, and I was like, yeah, it's going to gain traction, but nope, no one is calling it that. <laughs> hey, I'll help fly the flag of meta. What was it again? <laughs> Metamodernism. <laughs> Metamodernism. Yeah. Hell yeah. Sounds so much more official, doesn't it? Better than alt-lit, you know? Yeah. We could have a Wikipedia yeah. page. Someone needs to make it. For sure. Yeah. Alt lit. That's got a bad sound to it. Yeah, especially because alt right came. And I'm not going to lie. Some of those people seem like they could have been together. But. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like that. Alt lit did Suspicious. give us a good amount of writers that I love today. So, yeah. Like yeah. Brian Allen Ellis. True. Adore that dude. Right. Have you yeah, he's, met him in person? He's a mensch. I haven't. We. I was gonna go. I guess like Hobart had this reading that he was gonna host in in. Uh, was it Brooklyn or maybe Manhattan? I don't know. Somewhere in New York, mm-hmm. and I was gonna drive in for that, but then. Uh I think the tropical storm blocked that. I don't know if he came, and I couldn't go either. But we were supposed to connect there. Mm-hmm. but not in real life yet. Yeah, he's really fun so. at readings, and he wears all black no matter what. <laughs> uh, I did a series uh, of readings with him in Miami, and it was hot as hell 
all black head to toe. I was just like, Jesus Christ, like I'm taking clothes off. How are you surviving this? Yeah. But yeah, I think people get people who live in these warm places. I think they just kind of get acclimated to it. They're wearing like jeans when it's 95 degrees out in the summer. They don't care. I'm from Chicago. We have polar vortexes <laughs> yearly. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people are aware of like snow days. We also have freeze days. Oh, like, damn, that sounds harsh. It is harsh, but also a yeah. little fun. It makes you think of that Jake Gyllenhaal movie, Day After Tomorrow. Uh-huh. Where I'm just like, ooh, maybe the world's going to end. <laughs> it's just gonna freeze as a therapist you could read in between whatever the fuck that means in my mind <laughs> yes well <laughs> Occasionally I won't get can. Freudian about it I have but. a bit of a post-apocalyptic vibe I like the idea of when the world's gonna end or go to shit <laughs> yeah movies like that make uh, me happy yeah I can see that but sure no you, you will love meeting him in person let me know whenever yeah. you do yeah, I I will. He sounds like a cool dude, you know. Like he, we disagree on some things, but I won't start picking on Kiss right now. But, uh. Oh, I was about to ask it. <laughs> Damn. Oh no, my take on yeah. I was why? Say, why the dividing? Why has it? Of all people to get me tooed, why not Gene Simmons? Ooh, that guy seems question. like the number one person that should be focused on but i think you know he's what? good i think at, his like... name just isn't that big anymore most mm. people don't listen to kiss as much and when they think of kiss they don't think of like the individual band members i feel yeah but i could be so wrong yep. i look at them as this kind of unified entity corporate rock that was made into like entertainment yep also my brother yeah, had all their toys so Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I had. I think I went as Gene Simmons for Halloween when I was a kid. That, uh, that doesn't sound like it'd be that hard of a costume to pull off. Like you just got to paint on your face. Right. Yep. Get like this man bun thing on the top of your head. <laughs> uh, that's all it was. Which they are that a was band fun. I'd want to see live. Like I think it'd be a very unique experience. I think they're touring right now. Yeah, I don't I know if they, they are. are like over here, but I'd have to look. Yeah. I wonder if they'd be as good now or if it was something you just mm. had to see back in the day. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because like I saw Joan Jett recently. Oh, wow. And not the same, you know? Yeah. Like I have a whole yeah. like obsession with the Runaways and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts mm. and stuff. And I was just like, this is going to be the best show ever. And instead, I just kind of felt depressed. Yeah. Yeah, she's changed. It's like she uh, still has the spirit, but it's like you can tell there's almost a bit of a defeatism in her mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. But oh, The yeah. Runaways. Great. Great band. I know. One of the, like, the first big bands I got into. Them and the Ramones. Yeah. <laughs> Those are two good ones. Yeah, that's where I was sure. at in high school. <laughs> well, I think, I'll, yeah, that's where you should be at, if you ask me. I'll say, not a lot of people were there. Most people were at, like, 50 Cent 
and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah. pretend to M&M. know what else was popular. Eminem, shit like that. Yep. I definitely was in the weirder crowd. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I hear you. So before we end, do you want to read anything or do you want to plug anything? Um, I, I'm not sure I have anything prepared to read. That's um, true. I think I might have forgotten to do that. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, no, you're good. Brian but, actually abstained as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have got something out. But um, I, I would say, uh, yeah, you can stay tuned to stuff I'm doing with Pigros Publishing. Uh, I got some interesting books coming up. I think this comic anthology called Freak Buck uh, is going to be really interesting. It's kind of... Uh, I don't want to say too much about it because I think people should decide when it comes out, but I think it has potential for being a well-curated book. And the author is a super sweet guy, Sky Alexi Zarin. Mm -hmm. Do you know the ladies at Quimby's in Chicago? Um, Corinne? Corinne? Not on a name basis, but Uh, they have our books. Nice. She's one of the artists. I love her like none. Uh, whatever it is, none uh, stuff. But yeah, that's I'm excited about that. I'm heavily invested. Like that's where most of my time spent is kind of like working on that book and getting it ready. And hopefully that'll be out in October. Um, I'm doing a really weird thing where I'm reissuing a book by this guy, Nick Zed. I don't know if you know who Nick Zed is. He's Cinema of Transgression, hmm. which is kind of like, uh, what can I say about that? That's part of that old 78 New York scene. Um, he's a weird character. Uh, but I think he put out a book on Henry Rollins' uh, short-lived publishing company, uh, 21361 it was called um, and the book went out of print and, and I uh, he contacted me about putting it back in print so I'm going to do that and for his niche of fans I think that'll go over pretty well I dig it um, yeah forget my Twitter for now I'm, I'm an idiot on that thing <laughs> I would not plug my Twitter but uh, Instagram I'd say Instagram is where to find me in the same states and controlled and uh, I think about what I'm doing on there a lot more so I just that's found the most pig gross publishing yeah I followed yeah thank you <laughs> but Twitter yeah don't trust any of that sometimes it's not even me it's like some one of our friends or somebody screwing around on my phone say, I'm going to tweet something dumb about you. And I don't know. I should allow people to do that for me more. Oh my God. It's gotten me into so much trouble. Be, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> be careful what they tweet. And but, we'll uh, all just look forward to the idea that hypothetically you might make a TikTok. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, Meg, our intern, is working on that. So it's up to her. Well, <laughs> I'm afraid. So. <laughs> I'm afraid. But yeah, maybe, maybe Pigros publishing TikTok soon. 
too. That'd be so lit. And when you announce it, it'll be on Twitter, probably. <laughs> yeah, most likely. Yeah. Okay. Get zero likes, but. All right. Awesome. This has well, been thank fun. you. Yeah, it was great to talk to you, Mallory. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being so flexible on the dates and everything. No worries. No fire alarms went off, so that's awesome. All right, that was Jeff Schneider. I recommend checking out his book, Therapist Gone Wild, on pigrosspublishing.com. If you want to find him on Twitter, his username is at pigpublishing, and his Facebook is at pigroastpublishing. You can also check out Arab on Radar on Facebook at Soak the Saddle. As always, if you want to get to know us more, find Textual Healing on Twitter at Pod Healing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. If you want to be extra supportive, take a look at our Patreon page where you can help support Textual Healing and get some extra behind-the-scenes content. We are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, leave us a rating, a review, anything we love to love. Check out past episodes and keep a lookout for new ones. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs>